Now, I'm so grateful to be here, and yes, I brought my entourage, and I have to say that, um, I'm trying not to get too emotional, we've had a couple of very difficult um, years recently, and um, this lesson was so healing for me, and I'm so grateful that I got to see the people that I've seen this week. I feel like I've hugged so many good necks. It's been so amazing. So I am super grateful for this task in particular. I feel like Bear Valley uh, was used definitely by God to bring to me at a very important time this lesson. So I, I'm super grateful. Now, let's go ahead and jump in. I'm going to ask you to take those pamphlets that they gave you, the little books. I want you to raise them up. And then I want you to put them behind you. <laughs> because I'm going to disappoint you. I'm reading from it. <laughs> now, if you do have your Bible, I want you to have that out and have something ready. Because I want you to highlight a few things or underline if you feel comfortable with that. Because this lesson brought so many key words to mind. I want to make sure that you are able to um, look back on it. And, and recall these things. So I don't expect you to write everything into your um, Bible, but that way you can have that um, available. Now, I don't want to alarm anyone, but if you live long at all, and by long I mean at all, um, you are going through, you're going to go through some very difficult times. You're going to struggle. You're going to go through struggles in your faith. You're going to lose loved ones. You are going to watch your children grow up and you're going to be like, Lord, why? You will. You will have so many struggles. I promise you that, right? We're not promised an easy life. And I don't know if you've ever lived through a church split, if you've ever watched one of our brethren walk away and cry over that. Many of us have. Those are some really difficult things to go through. Let me tell you about something difficult that I went through recently. Um, three years ago, I was good, getting ready to go to bed. <laughs> you know, I, I'm doing my master's now, but then I was doing the undergraduate program, and I had been up all night doing my homework, and psychology is really hard sometimes, and I was super exhausted, and I was getting ready for bed. It was Saturday night, so of course the next morning we all have, you know, church and I had, you know, church supper prep prepared and, and I, it was exhausting. I was just tired and I was getting ready to crawl into bed and then my phone rang. Well, it's always nice when family calls and they never know. We're always on different time zones, so it's no big deal. But it was my older sister. And I thought to myself, yay, it's my sister, right? But then I had that heart-stopping moment. You know what I'm talking about. That moment where you're like, whoa, I don't want to answer that. And she told me that our younger sister had passed away. She had had an aneurysm and just like that. Sorry. I know tears are good. <laughs> They're just not good when you're trying to do something like this. Anyways, I don't remember much. I remember sort of the conversation, getting the gist of it. And I remember hanging up and walking to the living room where my husband and I think my daughter was at. And I remember saying, Sal died. 
and I couldn't get anything else out. I couldn't make it make sense. I couldn't form words. I couldn't give him the details. I couldn't do anything except let out a cry that I still to this day remember and it came out of the depths of my soul and I just let it out and I crumbled to the ground and I remember my husband and my daughter picking me up and, and letting me cry and I remember thinking I don't even know what to pray you know I don't know what to pray I don't know how to say it I don't know how to talk to God I don't know how to anything at that moment there was nothing nothing in me I needed comfort right I needed God to hear me I needed to be able to say hey God please take this back I don't want her to be gone hey God I don't want this to be true I need a hug I need something else I need this I need that I didn't have it in me I had a simple groan but, you know, looking back, I could see where God took care of me. He comforted me. The people that came, my family that was there, the calls, all of that. The way things fell into place, the funeral planning, the, the resources to get there. All of that, God offered me comfort through every bit of it. Looking back, I still don't know how we managed to have the wherewithal to get to where we needed to be. There was, it was a fog. God. God. Now, I don't know why we lose people. I mean, obviously, we, we, you know, the sin, all that stuff, yes. But I don't know why we have to go through pain that's so deep that it feels like it's going to tear you apart. I don't know why we have to grieve like that. I don't know. But I know that my God is good. He's so good. Now, what I did gain, I'll tell you this. I gained so much confidence in God. I learned to trust Him and to trust His perfection. That much I did learn. Now, this psalm, this particular psalm, when I was asked to um, present, I was like, I know exactly where I'm going to go. I know exactly where I'm going to go because it brought me comfort. It brought me through a really tough time where I literally just had a groan. So, we're going to look at the text. But before we look at the text, I want to look at the, the history, the background of this particular psalm. Now, I'm going to try to remember to do the whole clicking thing. I'm not very good at that because I forget. I get all talky-talky. <laughs> the um, book of Psalms is an ancient book, right? It gives uh, wisdom and it gives us a heart, a, a glimpse into the heart of our Creator. He give, it gives us a glimpse into the heart of the people that love God at that time. They, in their words, help us to really be able to make a stronger emotional connection with God which is something that as a church I think we shy away from. You know, nobody wants to be known as that person, right? And so we shy away from the emotion. But emotion is something that God gave us. And read through a psalm and try not to cry sometimes, right? Understand that emotion. God made emotions. God made tears. And they're good. 
if you want to nerd out, I will tell you about tears and their uh, chemical composition and psychology later on, but that's a different story. But that's pretty amazing. Um, Eddie Clower said that the book of Psalms is a pilgrimage into the heart of God. I love that. One, because it's a pilgrimage. Who doesn't like a good road trip, right? The book of Psalms is also poetry. Now, I used to look at the book of Psalms and think, well, that's not exegetically important because, you know, you can't take it and look at doctrine through it. You can't do certain things. Certain things are just you can't prove through the Psalms. And for me, at first, I was being a snob. And, uh, and that's how I was looking at it. But I was completely wrong. Because the book of Psalms helps us to connect with God in a very, very emotional level without being emotional, if that makes sense. Excuse me. I took a Sudafed earlier because my nose started running and now it's super dry. So the book of Psalm, um, this particular Psalm is written by David. And David was a vessel that was used by God. He was used to teach us a lot of things. I mean, if you read his story, if you read his life, man, what a life, right? He went through a lifetime where he started off as a shepherd boy and he ended up a king in one lifetime. One li- we love a good rags to riches story, don't we? Look at David. And it's so amazing because not only was he, you know, a man who loved God, but he was a man who messed up. Remember Bathsheba? This guy messed up. But there's something that's so inspirational about David, it's that he kept coming back. Kept coming back. And that encourages me because when I fail, when I am feeling like David not doing what is right, when I am feeling like the bad David, right? Then I know that I could come back because that is just going to take one step in the other direction. That's inspiring to me. Now, the verse, the, I'm sorry. The text is broken down into three separate sections, right? We have 1 through 3, 4 through 7, 8 through 10, and 11 through 12. And we're going to break it down individually because that's how my mind works, right? I can't do like an overall theme. We'd be talking about sourdough starters and all kinds of nonsense if that was it. I need to stick to it. Okay, so here's what got really difficult. And I was talking to my friend about this in the car the other day. The first three verses of this Psalm are so powerful, so impactful. I'll tell you what, I had like two hours worth of material written, and then I thought there's no way they would get the hook, pull me right out, right? Absolutely not. Because it was so impactful, I leaned on this section. I leaned hard on this section when I needed it, when I was looking for God. And I hope that when we're done, you can lean on it too, because it is so powerful. Now, we're going to break this down and we're going to look at definitions. Who here are my word nerds who like to look up words? Yeah, I want to know. You know, because it's, it's some words are, you know, they're the same, but they're not the same. You know, we were playing a word game yesterday where somebody was saying, you know, what's that na- that word that kids are? And we were like, uh, disrespectful, uh, this, entitled, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're coming up and then they were like, finally after what, five, ten minutes, spoiled. 
I mean, those all mean sort of the same, but not the same, right? So words are important, definitions are important. Depending on what Bible um, translation you're using, it might have a different word. Some say groaning, some say sigh. But if you look at the base word, if you look at the definition, you can get past all of that, right? You can get past all of that and see the real root of the meaning. And that's really important. So if you're ever like, I'm not sure what this means, look at the definition and then battle it out. Denny made a good point yesterday with what he was saying about uh, fear. And then putting it in a different verse, does it work, right? We need to be able to look at words and not just define them the way that they make sense for our narrative, but the way that they make sense in the context and for scripture. So we're going to look at the first, um, the first set of words which is words, groaning, cry, and voice. Let me go ahead and read this to you. Give ear to my words, O Lord, and consider my groaning. Heed the sound of my cry for help, my King, my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. Now, words is utterance, or the content of your prayer, right? So, the cool thing is that it says that God will give ear to our words. So, to give ear is the same word used in Exodus 15:26, where um, the children of Israel were to give ear to his commandments. This is more than just an auditory perception, right? I don't just want my kids to hear, hey, clean your room. That's not a sound I'm making because I like the sound of my own voice, right? I want them to truly take it in and be moved to action. So put that into the verse. God hears the content of your prayer and it moves him into action. Gives me goosebumps. I mean, no matter how many times I go over it, it gives me goosebumps to think that he's moved into action by it. Now, so does this mean that if we don't have content, God doesn't hear our prayers? Matthew 7, 8 tells us that God knows what what we need before we even know, right? So it's not necessary for us to verbally say it because he obviously already knows Prayer is our connective string, our connective tissue to the creator who created us. And that, I think that's pretty amazing. Now, there's times where our words won't come. We know that when there's trauma, the side of your brain that produces the words, that attaches words to your visual, shuts down. Fight or flight, right? You only need to see the exit. You don't need to describe it. You don't need to describe your exit strategy. You just need to have the visual. When we are struggling with a strong emotion, with a strong situation, that word part starts to shut down. We go into survival mode. Our God knows this. Our God created us this way. He knows. So even if the content isn't there, He hears us. Now, think about, consider our groaning. David says, consider. So this is the idea to understand, right? My God understands. My God understands. I want to be understood. 
I want to be heard and understood and my God understands me. If nobody else does, if nobody understands this crazy hot potato of a mess, right? God does. David goes on to describe the word heed the sound. Now I love this part because heed doesn't make sense to my non-English native mind. It just sounds like another word for hear, consider like the same, right? But it's to attend to. Like when your baby cries, you hear its cry, you attend to that cry, right? You don't ignore it and go, some more Instagram time, right? You heed, you come, you take care of this. And God does the same. Now, when I cry out to God, I hope that he heeds my cry. I hope that he attends to my cry. But because of this psalm, I know that he will. Now, I know that God heeded the cry of the Israelites. I know that he heeded the cry of David. And so that I can rest assured that he will heed my cries. So, let's go on to hear my voice. The voice here is used in the same, let's see, it's um, 1 Samuel 15.4 and it has the same idea as the word bleeding. Now, not bleeding like, ugh, stab me, I'm, ble I'm bleeding, but like, you know what I mean? Like the lamb. <laughs> B-L-E-A-T-I. I should have just spelled it. That was awful. <laughs> You'll never forget that. They'll be like, how was Fee's lesson? <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> God heard that too. <laughs> Oh my goodness. This is where the readers thing goes on. Uh, was it Tracy was talking about the readers? The older you get, the more you're like, okay, vanity is starting to step in because I don't want to get my readers out. But I'm doing this funny thing where I'm like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> is it in Braille? Can I read it? Oh my word. <laughs> so just like a baby sheep, cries out to its mama. And by the way, did you know that it's a you? I had no idea. I thought they were called mama sheeps. Had no idea, but there they are. The, the you will come and attend and hear. And I was reading in a, a magazine or maybe it was a documentary that lambs can hear their babies and identify them in a, in a crowd. Which is pretty impressive because sometimes my kids yell mom in the middle of Walmart and I'm like, <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> but God is not like that because he is attentive to our voice in our silence, in our groaning, in our cries. He is there and he hears it. I don't know about you, but that just absolutely breaks me down to think but he hears me, even when I've been silent for a while, when I come back to him. He knows it all. <sighs> this psalm steps on my toes in so many ways because it challenges me. Am I crying out to my God? Am I crying out the way I should? And not just shrugging it off with, he knows my heart. Yeah, but he's also knowing what you're doing. 
right? That should really impact me that way. So, God, just like a mama, you, <laughs> hears the voice of its babies. He hears ours. So, when you read this, it does kind of sound like, I cry, God hears. I cry, God hears. You know, it's like almost like a cheer, right? Um, I said I wasn't going to dance up here. Oh! <laughs> it goes so much further than that. God is attuned to his children. Again, it's like the children of Israel. You know, when, when they cried out to him, what did he do? He heard their voices and he heeded their cries. I encourage you to spend some time in this portion of the psalm. Nerd out on it. Think about the times when you cried out to God in a groan. Make a list. Think about the time that you cried out to the Lord in real tears. Because who hasn't had those moments of, I am on my knees and crying and I can't get it all out. I am sobbing. Tiffany was talking about not being able to have children. My youngest is my seventh pregnancy and I have three kids. And those pregnancies, wow. You want to talk about crying out to the Lord. Felt like I got rug burn. I would just cry. And he heard me every single time. And he attended to me. And he still gave me the children I wanted. Right? <clears throat> I'm telling you, I really promised. I said I wasn't going to cry. Okay. So the next section, let's go ahead and move on to the next section before I, you know, turn this into a, se- a therapy session. Um, no, actually, I didn't turn the thing. Okay, thank you. All right. So the next section, let's go ahead and read that. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil dwells with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all who do iniquity. You destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord hates a man of bloodshed and deceit. But as for me, your abundant loving kindness, by your loving, abundant loving kindness, I will enter your house and at your holy temple, I will bow in reverence for you. So, God goes on to list and help us to understand God. Uh, David goes on to list and under, so we can understand God better. We understand oil and water, the reaction between oil and water, right? They don't mix. The same is true for God. Look at the different sides here. You have God on one side, and then you have wickedness, evil, boastfulness, injustice, lies, bloodshed, deceit, right? All on the other this is a pretty good start so we could understand the God that we serve. So, I love the fact that David shows his aversion to the bad things that God is not. He's taking a stand here and said, but as for me, right? He's making a decision. Lord, I will not participate in those things that you are not okay with. Can we use that to measure our own behavior? Our society is leaning away from what is good. They're asking us forcefully at times to accept them, to affirm them. 
Can we approve of them if they go against God's character? I'm not even going to answer that for you because you know the answer. Can we affirm sinful actions to go along, to get along? Listen, God hates deceit. And it is deceitful to say that what is good is bad and what is bad is good. That's a lie. It is not okay to say that scripture is negotiable and a suggestion because it's not. There's a saying, mess around and find out. (laughs) I think about that all the time when I think about hearing people say scripture is negotiable. I'm not going to negotiate that at all. So this is a really good example about David's writing. You know, each writer in, in scripture has a different writing style. You know, Paul. Paul is like, hey, you guys. Knock it off. I love you so much. I'll see you later. I love, you know what I mean? He's just like, I love his writings and he's like, here you go, black guy. This is what you, what's going on. I love his writings. He's one of my favorite writers. David has become one of my favorite writers as I've struggled through life. Because he cries out to the Lord. Lord, help me. Destroy my enemies. But I'm going to try not to be bitter about this. I love that. He's so honest. He is so honest. Look at the way that he makes this comparison on God's good nature to all the bad things that his enemy is doing. He's not just being mad about his enemies. He's being mad about the fact that they go against God's teachings. Are we offended because other people go against God's teaching? Or are we just trying to stay quiet enough so we can avoid the conversation? David really sets a good example for us in this. So let's move on to verse 7. He talks about how it will he will bow in reverence. Now bowing here isn't just, you know, what you think about or even just a little curtsy. We're talking, it is defined as worship. So think about that for just a second. Now I'm not talking about just your, oh goodness because my people, the people around me are bad, I'm going to show up on Sunday. I'm gonna, I have the third pew next to little Miss Bess, right? That's not what he's talking about. The goodness of God is causing David to worship him. Devotion. Serving. Loving. Changing what you're doing. Think about the magnitude of that. His goodness should awe us into change. Into serving Him. Into not just being a warm spot on the pew. His love should push you. Propel you. It should incite you to worship the one true God that can do all of these things. That's right. I know I felt like, can I get an amen? Right? I mean, (laughs) I can't help it. Because His goodness... have you guys heard the goodness of God the song right it's been on repeat with me and I can't sing that song I can't sing the part that says I have lived 
in the goodness of God because he has brought me out of the bad things and he brings me through it all. I live in his goodness. David is telling us the exact same thing. Let's go ahead and move on to 8 through 10. David says, O Lord, lead me in your righteousness because my foes, because make your way straight before me. There is nothing reliable in what they say. Their inward parts are destruction itself. Their throats is an open grave, and they flatter me with their tongues. Hold them guilty, O God. By their own devices, let them fall. In the multitude of their transgressions, thrust them out, for they are rebellious. Rebellious against you. This is the same thing we just talked about, the fact that David is offended by those and I'm not talking about being a Karen offended. I'm going to speak to your manager. He's not talking about that. He's talking about this incites something in him. It, it brings him to that place where he says, No, I am discerning enough to know that that is not of God. He's not going along to get along, right? Now... <laughs> David petitions God in two, for two things here. He says, lead me in your righteousness and make your ways straight before me. In Exodus 13.21, God be went before the Israelites and made their path straight. Remember? He was a pillar, right? Fire, clouds. He led them. Just like a mom, right? Pulling her child along in a crowd. You want to make sure when they're learning how to walk, you make their little path straight. You don't make them walk through, you know, a landmine, right? You clear it all out. You clean your house for a hot second. You know, you clear it out so that they could walk and not kill themselves trying to do it. God is doing the same for us. Now, think about this. If I am following God, where is the confusion? My God said this is good. Do I have to negotiate that? Absolutely not. My God said, this is bad. Do I toe the line and say, a little bad or a lot bad? Like, you know, how much are we talking? No. He makes our paths straight. He lights them. We know that. God leads us. And not only does he provide us that path, but he holds our hand through it. If you've ever mourned a loved one and you lean on God, you know what that looks like. You know what that looks like when he pulls you along. When you feel like you can't. Now, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a size fluffy. <laughs> and I don't do hikes, okay? When I say hike, I mean like to the restaurant, from my car, you know what I mean? I mean, there's certain things that I'm just not going to do. And I've been some places where, and my husband is much taller and, and thankfully able, more able than I am in that way. And there's been times where my husband has had to walk with me and pull me by the hand. And it may look romantic, but it's more like, help me! Oh my goodness! Help me! He, he leads me. And I feel that that's me with God, too. Sometimes I feel like I'm laying down and just dragging along. That's me, too. And that's what God offers. That straight path. And he offers his hand to walk us through it. So, 
I love this, and I love to paraphrase David because I've, I've got it. David is wordy. Let's just say it, okay? He's very wordy. And I think if I was going to redo this, I would be saying, there's my reader problem. Vanity, vanity, right? Okay, so David says, lead us into your righteousness. Show us your path, right? So mine would say, God, help me to be good because this world is pulling me away, is it not? You can show me your path because I cannot do it without you. That's it. So my version would be like totally boring. You wouldn't want that. I love that he's being so honest. David is so honest. Someone upstairs, and I think it was Denny, was talking about our prayers and how we're not even honest in our prayers sometimes. And I think about that, and I think about, you know, when you buy those pretty journals that you write in, the prayer journals, and it's like, Lord, be with me and thy children too. You know, instead of like, Lord, I gossip today. You need to smack my mouth. I need to knock it off, right? We don't, we're not very honest in that way. And David is very, very honest. And he's very honest about the fact that he's very bitter at this point. We don't know the context of this. We don't know if David was running from an army. We don't know if David was grieving everything that happened with Bathsheba. We don't know. We just know that at this point there's so much angst and anguish in him. We know that he is bitter. He's afraid of that. If you've ever had a bitter heart for God's children, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Church hurt is very real because we're very human and very flawed. And David was feeling some of this in a lot of different ways. And Clover does a really good job. He talks about minds that have been clouded with hatred and bitterness need the way of the Lord placed before them. Pretty amazing stuff. Now, for the sake of brevity, because I've gone long, well, not long, long, but you know, we're, um, we're going to skip the next part as far as like um, going through it completely, but I'll summarize it. The end of this psalm is not just a cute Hobby Lobby sign, although it would be pretty cool. But no, <coughs> resist, right? It's not just a Hobby Lobby sign. There's more to it. There's so much depth. It's a promise. Look at what David says. Oh, I didn't even move forward. Did it? Molly. Okay. <laughs> David says... You sur- oh. For it is you who bless the righteous man, O Lord. You surround him with favor as a shield. A shield. Think about this. David starts out crying to the Lord. And then he's mad about his enemies. He's like, God, come get these people. Take care of them. Right? I'm getting bitter because of it. Why aren't you answering my prayers? This is, I'm, this is hard. But, but, because he's sticking with him, he knows that as long as he stays righteous, God's going to protect him and put a shield around him. This is a gift that God provides to us, and he doesn't just give it nilly-willy. Willy-nilly. Is it nilly-willy, willy-nilly? I don't know. English is my second language. Anyways, so God provides us this gift if it's conditional if we're righteous. So you need to choose really carefully here. You need to choose really carefully. 
I pray that as we've gone through this text, that you see the richness of such a short psalm. That you see the richness of a God who hears you, who heeds your cry, he attends to you. I hope you see the goodness of God in all of this. Because even on the days where you have nothing, nothing but a groan, that's enough. Thank you for your time.